Alrighty. And so 30 seconds and then we will get started. And again, if you joined us on Tuesday for the Data 101, welcome back. Um, if you are just joining us for the first in the um, training, then welcome. This is a training series that is brought to you using um, American Rescue Plan Act funds. And um, we are working on supporting nonprofits to better utilize data uh, for external funding and uh, grant seeking. So this is one series in a series of series uh, that is a curriculum that was developed to help support nonprofits in in the work that you do and help to contextualize the data that you currently have and expand the data possibilities for um, continued success and new success in federal and state funding. All right, so we'll go ahead and get started. Let's do the next slide, Tracy, please. Oh, is it moving? Okay, there we go. All right, so um, just a quick welcome that um, we, we are the Department of Finance and Procurement and we are the grants team working with um, Stacy Cochran McNeil in the U.S. Census, and so she will be our guest speaker today. She will be presenting several uh, tools and tips for you for pulling information out of the census. She will also go through a demonstration and have some participant exercises. And as always, while we have a Q&A built in, please provide um, any input, questions, comments in the chat or we can also stop periodically as Stacy presents so that you get the information you need when you need it. So uh, then we will close out with some next steps. Next slide please. And with that I just want to introduce Stacy Cochran McNeil who's a data dissemination specialist with the U.S. Census Bureau Welcome. She is a fabulous presenter who provides data services, presentations, trainings, and outreach for Maryland and Northern Virginia. So she really is specific to our region. Uh, one of her primary roles and the one that she most enjoys is uh, showing us community members um, how easy it is to access census data and accessing tables and accessing um, data in real time and at your fingertips. And Stacy's lived in Central Maryland and within the Capital Beltway region for 35 years. So she knows the area. She knows our successes and challenges and currently resides in Annapolis with uh, her family. So she is a local one uh, and she's gonna tell us a lot about the, the federal programming with the census and how we can access some of those resources. So I'm going to turn it over to Stacy. Great, thank you. I feel like we should just end there because that was a fabulous introduction. Thank you very <laughs> much. I appreciate that. Wow, a lot to live up to. But hi, everyone. Um, let me go ahead and start sharing. Um, I'm going to go ahead and share the, my screen. Screen here. Um, let's see which one do I want to probably. Yes. Okay. So do we see my slide here? 
Great. Wonderful. Yes, super. So let me just bring this back out so I can take the eye in the chat. So um, this is, I'm not going to go over this too much. This is me, as you can see. Um, and I am, um, uh, so do you hear that as well? There's, okay, the dinging, the accident. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. I just didn't, I was hearing things. Um, so as um, she um, introduced, I'm Stacey Cocker McNeil, and I am your data dissemination specialist. So um, if, you know, separate from this presentation, you are more than welcome to reach out to me with data questions, things that don't make sense from this presentation. If you'd like me to come and make a presentation to your staff uh, virtually in person, um, you just need to reach out to me. My information is here and it will be in the slide deck when um, you get that tomorrow. Uh, let me just go here. All right. So today at the end of today's presentation, my goal is that you will leave with an increased awareness of the types of data products available through the U.S. Census Bureau for your research. You'll be better equipped to utilize some of the free online tools. There are 58 of them, and we don't have time to do all of them, uh, but we're going to do as many as we can, maybe two or three today. Um, and then you're going to learn about the resources and data sets that are available to assist you with um, navigating that data through census.gov. So today we're going to start with looking at why use Census Bureau data with a Census Bureau overview. Then we're going to take a little bit and look at some of the census geography, which may be a refresher for some or, or an introduction for others. Uh, we're going to then look at the types of data by looking at the decennial census and American community survey. So I'm just going to give you some information. I think it's important to know where the data is coming from. Um, so that you understand the context of, of it and what's available. Then we're going to talk about presenting the data. And then the fun part, the useful data tools for grant writing. We're not going to be able to probably get into all of these, uh, census reporter, quick facts, narrative profiles, but we'll definitely live demo um, datacensus.gov. Uh, data okay, so that is our main tool. And we definitely will be demoing that with some questions that Tracy had provided to me that are, are typical of what the data that you need to look for. Um, when you get the slide deck, I just want to make sure I remember to tell you this now. When you do get that slide deck uh, tomorrow, it'll be PDF, but all the links will be live. And there's a section at the end. It's a very large slide deck. I'm only going through half of those slides, uh, but the last section of it is a reference, visual reference. So if we don't get to something today, it's in that section. There's online resources and there are um, screenshots of how to get into the slides. I gave you screenshots of walking through uh, data.census.gov for an advanced search. Um, so there's a lot of really great resources in there. I think that is, I like to exploit the fact that we're vir virtual and I can send you these link-filled PowerPoint presentations. So I, you know, put them chock full of that in there. Was that someone asking a question or just, okay, okay, thank you. So on Teams, um, what happens when someone joins is if they're joining by phone, it mm -hmm. pops up, so. Okay. Yeah, no problem. I just, I didn't know. I heard someone talk, so I didn't know. Yes. Separate from the automated voice. Thank you very much. Sorry uh, for no that. Thank you. Okay. So let's go ahead and get started because um, we have a lot to cover. So what we'd like to start with is why we use census data 
with starting with a little bit about the Census Bureau. So the census, the U.S. Census Bureau is the uh, federal government's largest statistical agency and is actually the largest of the 17 primary federal government statistical agencies. While we're best known for the decennial or, or the census of population and housing um, every 10 years, what many do not know is that we conduct more than 130 surveys every year. People like to say it's what we do the other nine years um, because the decennial census takes such center and it should, but it does take a lot of the focus. Uh, so again, that includes a decennial census, which I said was every 10 years, which we just had one in 2020 and we'll have another one in 2030. The American Community Survey, which is an ongoing annual survey and that is collected every month of the year. And the economic census, which is um, collected every five years with the reference years ending in two and seven. So we just completed that. Uh, the mid, I think it was March 15th was when all of those questionnaires needed to be back. And so now they're doing the work of um, following up with, with uh, the people who hadn't sent them in yet, but it has been officially done and we're hoping to get that data sometime in 2024. And that economic census uh, data is full of rich uh, variables and demographic information that is actually useful for beyond just the economic side of things. What people most don't most people don't realize is that the Census Bureau is responsible for all of the major economic indicators, such as the consumer price index, unemployment rates and many crime and health statistics as well. And the reason you don't hear about it um, so much is that because we often are the ones who collect the data and then we give that data to the federal agencies who are responsible for releasing and publishing the data that's, that is um, so well known and used. So we have a network of field representatives that collect data for all those surveys and who are in the field knocking on doors all 12 months of the year. And the Census Bureau's mission is to serve as the nation's leading provider of quality data about its people and economy. And our goal is to provide the best combination of timeliness, significance, quality, and cost for the data we collect and the services that we provide. So why use census data? So we are consistently producing reliable data that you can count on each decade, each year annually, quarterly, monthly, every five years, based on the specific survey or program. So because of that, it's regular, regularly readily available and accessible to all and 100% free. That is the best part to me, that you can, at 2 a.m., if you're working on your grant proposal, you know that you can access data at any time of the day because it's all available through census.gov. And there's no cost to it and my services are free. Um, there's just a lot of resources and that's why we wanna make sure everyone knows about that because this data is really worth, worth learning about and worth using. So the Census Bureau also provides many infographics and interactive maps that can help you visualize the changes or compare one census track over another. So you have that comparability. You can compare 2010 data to 2020 data from the census. You can compare the groups of data from the, the five-year releases from the American Community Survey. You can actually really get a sense of how your community is growing, what trends are occurring um, because of the consistency, the reliability, how it is you know, produced so current, you know, currently, and um, it's really relevant to what's happening. 
And you can also create graphs by downloading Excel tables, creating graphs and charts to, to display those comparisons. So 10 of the largest federal programs use census population income data as key factors. So I'm not going to read all 10, but you've got Medicaid, um, Title I grants to local education agencies, national school lunch program, Head Start, just to name a few. So on the right side of this slide, this is where I want to make sure we just talked about really how the census data is is going to help drive the key elements of your grant proposal. And it's also going to provide the supportive docu documentation for your need statement. And as we will look at later, those two things are very important for successful grant proposals. Um, it helps you describe your target population, the demographic, social, and economic characteristics of your neighborhood. And because the Census Bureau provides data on various age groups, race, ethnic groups within a community, it can help you substantiate problems facing your target population. Good data can help you justify the need for your project, helps you determine and set priorities on project planning and design efforts, and it can help you establish a baseline for measurable uh, objectives and evaluation. It's going to give you that who, what, where, when, and why of your proposed project, and which is going to then help you get funded. Okay. So and let's go ahead. Yeah. Can we go ahead quickly just pause there? I, I do want to yeah. make the connection for those who were in the training yesterday when we talked about the the funnel approach and kind of the statistics that come with you know, understanding the context and then getting into more geographically specific and then client specific information, really the census can provide you with the top two tiers of, you know, national and then local, state and county all the way down to block information. So, so I just wanted to kind of make that connection that when we talk about the funnel, the census is the top of the funnel. What she said. Um, yeah, <laughs> that works for me. That's perfect. Thank you so much for that. That's fantastic because we're getting ready to go into census geography. So thank you for that. That we, we didn't pra practice that, I promise. Um, OK, so understanding census geography is not as simple as it would seem. Uh, there are traditional methods for dividing up geography in the U.S. that most people are familiar with, states, counties, zip codes. So the census likes to shake it up and use its own method, methods and terminology for geography as well. So the most prominent of which is a division known as the census tract. And I always have to catch myself because I like to, you know, be a little too much lazy on my central Maryland uh, end of words and say track. But it's actually tract. So if you hear me say track, I'm saying it wrong. So I want to make sure I clarify that. So the image on this slide shows some of the geographies for which American Community uh, Survey data are produced and the relationship between them. So as you can see, the lower geographic areas fit neatly in the larger areas. So we've got this block, which I do want to specify, and I'm going to probably say this too many times, but it's important. I always have to remember the block data is available in the decennial data only. ACS, American Community Survey, does go as low as the block group, which is fantastic, which is like your neighborhood. And we'll talk about that in a slide next. Um, but as you can see, they all fit within. Um, for example, school, congressional, and state legislative districts fit neatly within states and do not cross state boundaries. 
However, they may cross boundaries of counties or metropolitan areas. And in this slide, you can see the small geograph smallest geographic building block is that block group. So one of the things that we say at the Census Bureau is the census begins and ends with geography. You must define the geography of your service area. Are you working in a certain zip code? Are you working in a certain census tract? Are you working citywide, countywide, statewide? Um, defining your geography will help you narrow your search. Not knowing what that geographic area. Now, it's possible for you to go into data.census.gov and put state and you're going to get data but it will make it a smoother, quicker uh, search if you do know at that point of those the questions that you're asking, what geographic area you want to look at. And you can look at multiple ones. So do, you don't have to know just one, but having that definition ahead of time is gonna help um, with that data search. But also when you are writing that grant proposal, um, trying to do too much uh, of the area when really your service area is one of the nested in there is going to um, kind of muddy what you're trying to, the story that you're trying to tell. So let's take a closer look. I'm gonna begin at the left here. And this is uh, clearly United States and this is Colorado. I apologize, these are not Virginia. These are, uh, these are hard to kind of get produced at this level. So I'm gonna use the Colorado one. Hopefully I'll have a Virginia one at some point. But we have Colorado, we have Sagut, this county here. Um, <laughs> and the, what I really, the county itself is not that important. What I wanted to make sure that you could see that here's our state, here's our county within the state. And now we're looking at the track, which is within the county. So you can see this nesting idea. And then we have the block group. So this is the block group right here that is within the track that is within the, the county in, in the state. And then here is the block that is in the block group and there is your block. And again, this is the decennial level down here. ACS is at this level down here. And one more time, just to bring it home. Um, I like this one because I can talk about the uh, population. So this, like I was just saying, everything's nested within each other. So this, the we've got our block here. And they're not defined by population, but it's the smallest geographic level. So this would be your block would be, you know, like a part of, you know, a small part of a street. Okay, so maybe a few houses on that street or just one section of that street. Then you have the block group, which is going to be 600 to 3,000 people population to 240 to 1,200 housing units. And then you have your census tract, which is going to be 1,200 to 8,000 8, population. Optimum is 4,000. And uh, so and 480 to 3200 housing units. Um, and uh, this is to me, I just like knowing this because this, again, can make you start thinking about in terms of your neighborhood. Um, so if in your proposal you want to use um, the you know terms like neighborhoods or community, you can do that knowing that you're going to be able to have corresponding census data in census geography terms, but knowing that those correlations there. Okay, so I'm gonna stop for a second. How are we doing? I'm gonna move this over so I can see everyone. Thumbs up, are we good at this point? So we do Keep actually, have a, we, we have a question oh, in the chat. Oh, great, fantastic. Great. And I also have a question. So we'll okay. start with, with Anne's question from Food okay. for Neighbors. We're interested in school boundaries and change okay. or 
and boundaries change from time to time. How do you handle that? Okay, so when you so the boundaries that change the most within um, our data is the census tract. So if I go back to and hopefully I'm answering this question, but if I go back to this one, you can see see how this is census tract 5.02. So at some point that was census tract five. So at some point within a 10 year span, this census tract became larger than 8,000 and they needed to divide it into a second census tract. And there is a tool which I'm not going to show today, but it's called TigerWeb, where you can actually, this is really going to show I'm a little bit of a nerd, data nerd, but you can go in and you can look and show um, on the map, um, you can see from 2010 and then you shift over and it shows the 2020, you can see the visual changes. So that is specifically going to be for the census tract. So this any of those other boundaries are really going to be um, what the county is doing. And I will double check on that. But that is my understanding that the census tract, the block groups, those things may change. But as far as who determines what school now, the congressional districts, those are obviously with the redistricting and the apportionment with the 2020. But I don't think those determine the school districts, but I am not actually sure on that. So I will I'm making notes of things to check. So. Yeah, and I think with school boundaries, that's something that also, um, you know, not only the the division takes care of in the school board, but also when we look within census tract, we have several um, census tracts in Loudoun County. I think we have somewhere in the neighborhood of 30. That's just a, a guesstimate. Oh, no, you have a lot. Back. Yeah, there's a um, lot. <laughs> 30, yeah, yeah. Yes, and 30 that have grown. So it's yeah. it's 30 that have like the 0 0.01, 0 0.02. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and so we've seen such significant growth that it could be that we, we've developed as a county and as a school division ways of um, looking at capital needs and the way the schools are developed. So I would suggest taking a look at the census information and then looking at the specific area um, for the schools. Then once you have that area in mind, look at our capital needs assessment and our capital improvement plan, our CIP in the budget, because that's where you will see new schools over the next five years, new fire stations, new um, capital buildings, and all of those are based on population. So that's part of of where we would get some of that information. And in data.census.gov, there are um, I can show you um, when when we map, um, you can actually uh, select boundaries and you can show school districts. So you can actually visualize um, not necessarily that's going to give you the data, but I it helps me to know what's happening in an area and you can see that as well. And there's some other tools that capture that as well. But that's a fantastic question. So thank you. Was there another question or was that? Uh, Stacy, I did have something else. I, I was wondering if you can highlight um, both like how margins of error, because census is still a survey, so how margins of error mm -hmm. um, are affected the smaller the geography gets, and then yep. uh, confidentiality of yep. the um, uh, survey takers too. Great, thank you very much. Um, and I will um, 
do that when we talk about the two surveys. But if I I will I'm putting a note here. So and then that margin of error really is applicable when we're looking at those tables. But I understand what you're saying about the privacy. And when I talk about the American Community Survey in a few minutes, we have actually the the um, population restrictions on what when things are published and the the privacy um, often means you don't get data at certain levels. So thank you for that. So but I will definitely go over those. OK, so I we're good to move on. Everyone's if I had a smiley face, would I begin smiley faces? <laughs> okay. Yes, please use your reaction button. Yes, I love it. And sad faces are sad faces <laughs> are okay too. Yes, please. Yes, we um, want to make this as interactive as possible. Yes. <laughs> so um Stacy is is very accommodating. Please stop us, use the chat. Um yeah. she is here to answer your questions. Yep, absolutely. Okay, thank you for that. All right, so what data is used in grant writing? The data that we're going to be looking at in the data tools today is are generated. That's something I always remember data is plural, so I have to get my uh, verbs going there. Uh, we'll be looking at in the data tools today are generated by the decennial census and the American Community Survey. Now, that doesn't mean the data census, data.census.gov doesn't have other surveys. But those are the two primary ones that really are going to give you that demographic data that you're looking at. You know, there's the whole economic data um, program, um, but we're just focusing on this demographic today. So the first census of the United States was conducted in 1790, which I think is amazing. Um, we're still doing this uh, and we're supposed to still do this. We're mandated. Uh, occurred every 10 years with one form being used to collect the data from all the households until 1930. Then from 1940 to 2000, they had introduced the short form, which was sent to everyone. And the long form was used to collect data from a sample of households. And that was going really well. But then people started expressing that they, you know, policymakers and um, uh, people in general, our population said we need that data more frequently. Um, so uh, in the 1990s, um, that was what the, the trend was that people are saying that we really want this more, you know, more frequently than every 10 years. We need this data. So after a large scale demo in 2000, the American Community Survey was then realized in 2005 and was they started collecting data for all of America's communities each year, a sample. Um, and there's also the equivalent for um, Puerto Rico as well. And so as a result of that, the success of that in 2010 and moving forward, the decennial census is only a short form. And the ACS, the American Community Survey, collects information each year that was once collected by that long form. So those of us who remember that, I remember the short form and the long form. Um, but right now, all we're getting... Um, and you know, for the 2010 and this 2020 was that short form. And all that really rich uh, demographic data is collected um, every year, um, depending on those geographic levels that I'll talk about uh, every year with the American Community Survey. So let's just pause for a second. I just wanna give you a couple of highlights about the decennial. It's every 10 years, like I've said, I think four times, uh, every 10 years ending in zero, it's 100% or complete data. So it's a point in time and it's available at that block level and is official population count. Um, the demographic data that is collected is that total population, age, race, Hispanic origin, sex, 
and just a little bit of housing, but very important housing, tenure, um, how long people live there, the type of housing and the number of units and structure in the structures. So now the American community. Yes, go ahead. Just a quick, um, just a yeah. quick pause there, Stacy. I did yeah. see someone's hand raise. Oh, great. Um, and I'm not sure because it went away. So if you were the person that raised your hand, please, if you can unmute yourself or list something in the chat, I want to make sure we get your question answered because this is a lot of information. And the further we go in the slides, you may forget your question, which I do frequently. <laughs> so <laughs> I want to make sure we get your question answered. Please unmute yourself. Oh, misclicked. Oh, okay. Okay. Thanks. Okay. Thank you. Perfect. All right. <laughs> Thanks for checking, though. I appreciate that. Yep. Okay. So the American Community Survey is an ongoing survey sent to 3.5 million addresses every year. It produces the detailed population housing estimates, and it produces critical information on small areas and small population groups and covers over 35 topics and supports over 300 known federal government uses. It informs over $675 billion of federal government spending each year. So it is a very critical survey um, and a very beneficial, useful survey. So the, the thing I want you to take away from, two things I want you to think about with the American Community Survey, you can get a whole lot of rich demographic data and it's limited by the size of the data points, okay? So your one-year estimates, you can get those every year if your population is over 65,000 or more, the population that you're looking at. But we also like to think about that as a data point. So for example, if you were looking at some of the tribal data and if you had a, a group, a tri specific tribe you were looking at and say you were in a larger county, but the, the specific tribal data that was available was that data point wasn't 65,000. So you're not gonna be able to get that for the year estimate, even though it's in a county that is a larger county, but you can get the five-year estimate for that. So it's just important to think about the one-year estimates are for populations over 65,000 and data points over 65,000. We do have the supplemental estimates that will capture over 20,000. But that five-year estimate is where you're going to find your census tract data, uh, your zip, your zip code tabulation area, which is essentially zip codes. Um, that's where you, and your block. Well, your block is a decennial, of course, but your block group also is going to be that five-year. So that's just something that's really important to keep in mind um, when we're looking at uh, data, because if you know, it can be frustrating. You're all set. You've got your data questions and you go and you say, wait, why don't I find it? And it's most, you know, chances are it's because of the, the um, population limitations on there. And the reason that we need those population limitations is that five years in aggregate and it's going to, you know, when you're talking about very small populations under 20,000 people, it's not difficult to connect the dots and find out uh, respond who the respondents are. And this definitely also happens with the economic data. So if you don't put those privacy protections in place, then um, we are not doing what we said we're going to do, which is to protect the confidentiality of the respondents. And that is a always at the forefront of everything that's done um, is protection of privacy. 
um, and confidentiality. And so that people know that the data that they're giving is not going to be able to be connected to anything else. Um, and so that's why those um, year estimates are for such large populations. So Tracy, did I capture part of what you were talking about? Yeah. Okay, great. Okay, good. Thank you. Yeah, it's a, I don't know a lot about it, but there is um, the differential, differential privacy and noise, which I think is really cool. They actually put noise into the data. And it was explained to me that if you just, she's, Megan's very excited. <laughs> the way to think about it is uh, if you take puzzle pieces, this is how it was explained to me. And I thought this was really great. You take a puzzle piece and you just kind of start shaving off edges of it you're still going to have the general shape of that puzzle piece, but it's not going to fit into the larger puzzle. So if you think about the privacy and the way that the data is protected, that is a good way to look at it, is that it's not changing the nature of the data. It's just changing the nature of the person who provided the data. Hopefully that makes sense. I thought that was a really nice way to, to put that. So I stole that from someone else. <laughs> so, okay. And, and can I just, just yeah, a quick note, Stacy? Yes, I love the idea of noise. I mean, statistically, what it what it does is protects those that um, could be affected purely by chance, or could be affected by a low sample size, and whose confidentiality or anonymity could be breached. So, it gets put into this error term. Um, yep. Oh, the margin of error. Yes. Yes, exactly. It gets put into this error term that kind of takes that away. So um, I love the idea of that shaving off of the of the puzzle piece because we're we're essentially protecting those shavings. Yep. Right. That that's the area that we're protecting um, when it comes to confidentiality. Yep. Absolutely. And when we get to the tables, um, you know. It, when you're dealing with the tables with the 2020 census, there are no margins of error because they're actual counts. But the reason we have the margin of error included in the tables for the American Community Survey is because it's an estimate, 3.5 million people. Um, and so those are estimates. And so the data point, it's important that you know that when you're presenting that data, not that you necessarily have to put that margin of error in there, but drawing clear you know, concrete conclusions is not going to be possible because you are dealing with the samples, but you can draw conclusions. You can look at trends. You can, you know, present your story, your snapshot of, of what's happening in your community. Um, and I think that's just important. And my assumption is, is that everyone who's working with the data in this room right here that I'm presenting to knows that. But I know for myself, it, it helps sometimes just to kind of think about it in those terms. So yeah. and good time to use the the emojis, the reactions. Oh, yes, <laughs> because Are people emoting? I can't see that. No, so, yeah, they're so. not. Um, OK, I, I want to make okay. sure that we're, we're capturing folks. Um, <laughs> I know that sometimes census data is there we go. Thank you, is a little daunting. There we go. <laughs> there we go. And, OK, and, and awesome. Also, Thank you. Yeah, I mean, when we talked about the funnel in the beginning, I, I just always want to reiterate that, that really the census sets the context. And it provides the most up-to-date information for explaining your clients and explaining the context and the community in which they live. And that's a huge indicator um, of the environment, of all of these other aspects that are taking place um, 
within the context within how you provide your services, right? right? So you're providing services within this context that the ACS is measuring. Absolutely. And, you know, one thing when I've worked with people and they've, um, one thing I will do is help people, you know, find specific answers for specific data questions. I always like to do the teaching them how to do it also, but I'll help them find it. And there are just times where you just can't find it and it's too specific or it's not available because either it wasn't asked because you can only ask so many things on these surveys or it's not available because of the privacy limitations or the population size. So what I often suggest to people is follow that data. So it may not be what you thought you could present on, but it's still you have data. So let that data then start to kind of tell that story for you with what you have or help inform you of where you might be able to start collecting some of that data um, or put put structures, infrastructure in place to have that happen. So I like to say kind of follow the data. Um, it is a helpful, it helps me feel less frustrated because I'll be honest, I will try my hardest to find it. And I'm like, curses, I can't find this. And I'll wait, wait a second. It's okay because I can say to them, a little bit too much of a people pleaser in me. Um, I can say to them, okay, we don't have this, but we do have this. And that is, um, a, I think, a, to be flexible with the data is always really important. So, and, okay. Yes, and absolutely. Also think about, um, sorry, Stacy, one more. Oh, that's fine. Especially when it comes to complementary data. Um, when we talk about the ACS and we talk about the limitations of it, you can also go to county sources for data. So we do our own um, <laughs> We do our own survey of residents, our own community survey on a biennial basis. Mm -hmm. So, again, if you can't find specific questions in the ACS, you may be able to find, again, those funnel questions, the top of the context, the top of the funnel. The survey of residents that the county provides on a biennial basis could be, you know, uh, another area because they have 10 facets of livability. And then there are other areas that you can put in context um, with department specific or service specific data that either the county or um, other organizations collect. So so really, the census provides that foundation or what I consider the top of the funnel when you're thinking about a grant proposal. And and it's it's how you can kind of anchor your other data. Absolutely. Great. Thank you. Thank you very much. So this is just a, a slide. I just like this. I'm very visual. That's the slides I always like the most. But I like this because it just reminds me census every 10 years, ACS yearly, um, sample data versus 100% data, official count versus estimates, and a point in time, April 1st, versus a period of time. So what topics are available? I promise you I'm not reading all of these to you. I wanted to point out that in orange, here, the orange box, that's the 2020 census. Now, this is very important data because, again, it's not an estimate, it's a count. However, look at all the great data you get from ACS as well. Um, and so it's, it's, I like to think about there's not one tool, there's not one survey, there's not one table that's going to answer it all. Everything is kind of put together in a toolbox. 
And so you, when you're putting together this grant, your grant proposals, you can think about, well, I can pull data from here. I can get this data from here. I can use this tool. And as you be, you know, really kind of put together the tools that you really find are the most useful and the surveys that are going to give you the most useful data for your, your um, jurisdiction. Um, so the social demographic, economic and housing for the American Community Survey lots of information that is available and again this is all down to that block group if it's available uh, and and it would most likely be the smaller uh, geographies the census tract and the uh, zip code this uh, census block group are going to be the five-year data unless you're in manhattan possibly and then again these are the topics that we can get from the 2020 census and there is definitely overlap So let's talk a little bit about presenting the data. So we've we've mentioned this, but I I just wanted to reinforce this. Um, what is good data? Good data comes from a reliable source, and what better source is the U.S. Census Bureau data? Um, in conjunction with your anecdotal data, like um, Megan said, your um, complementary data as well. So good data is presented clearly. Make sure that the data is displayed in your proposal, that, that the data displayed in your proposal are relevant to the needs you have identified. I know even when I was putting together this training, I want to include everything. <laughs> and I had to keep kind of taking this slide out, taking this slide out, because it can be too much and you can then water down and lose your focus. And I think that's a good parallel for your grant proposals as well. There's so much data and you're going to want to, you know, include everything and you just can't. So knowing your, you know, knowing your um, geographies can help define that, knowing um, your goals, your outcomes, your measurable objectives can all can really help you narrow down from all this great, really interesting data. Um, the data clearly um, should outline who your target population is. Perhaps it describes what percent of the population is impacted or, you know, who will qualify for your services or benefit from your services. Good data tells a story more than just numbers. It's how well your target population is doing as a compared to overall population or your community, how your community is doing as compared to um, the city, county or the state and is presented in both narrative form and graphic forms with charts and graphs, which again, all of the data I'm gonna show you can download into an Excel, into CSV, uh, you can share it, you can include the links. Um, it's very usable and you can make your own slides and, um, excuse me, not slides, but uh, graphs and charts and such. Okay, um, I like this also, for me, it's a really good reminder of just, things to think about when you're using census data and these are all things that we've talked about so i don't have to go over a lot ones i'd like to just highlight here is the neighborhood and community are not geographic terms but that doesn't mean you can't use that in your proposal just know how you're using it and what it's corresponding to census geography wise uh, we talked about this that the geographic boundaries may change over time and just make sure that you are comparing apples to apples, which is really going to be these two slot, you know, these two squares up here. Make sure you're comparing non-overlapping data sets, and make sure that you're looking out for differences in the universe, question wording, reference periods that can impact your comparability. Uh, the decennial data is is 
useful for official counts in the basic demographics, and then use the ACS data for estimates of the social, economic, housing, and demographic characteristics. So I and wanted to include Stacey, the, yeah, go ahead. Can we just pause really quickly? Of course. Um, we have a couple of, well, one question. Yeah. Going back a couple of slides about the year of entry definition. Okay, let's see. Let me bring my thing back here. Okay, I think it was, yep. This one or this back one? Further? I think it was this one. Nope, it was the it, the sense the one after this. Yep. So you have year of entry in social topics. Oh yes, when um thank you. So that refers to when someone arrived in um the uh, country. Okay. Is that what? Perfect. Yeah, year of entry. Yeah. So we yes. can actually look at um there is they've captured when if someone is foreign born. Um, which is one of the definitions. So there's ancestry, foreign born, um, Hispanic origin and race. And so the race is the um, African, uh, excuse me, um, American Indian. I had this slide and I took it out. I should have kept it in. Um, American Indian, um, Alaska Native, Black, Asian, um, Native Pacific and other Islander and white. I think I got the five. Um, and then the Hispanic origin. So some people don't uh, think that Hispanic is a race and it's not. It actually can be it can be correlated with any of those race because everything is self-identified. Um, so does that make sense? So that when they're looking at that year of entry, they are talking about people that were foreign born and came to our country. Does that Thank make you. sense? Yep. Okay, Thank you. great. And any others? Okay, perfect. Thank you. Okay, sorry for making you dizzy. Okay, here we go. Uh, so here is uh, an example. I've got a couple of examples of how the ACS data was used in the grant writing process. So here is the, um, the link to the actual article. This was from um, our data stories section. Um, and these were a couple of years old, but I thought they were still really um, applicable. So I'm not going to just, you know, read this, but essentially what they did was this foundation, the St. Joseph Community Health Foundation, conducted a study using the ACS data to identify pockets of vulnerable populations. And then they put together, um, they also then looked at data that was related to the social determinants of health. And then they prioritize those underserved neighborhoods to that were identified in this po vulnerable population study. And so grant, grant applicants were able to use that data from the report in their applications to demonstrate either community need or how that the foundation's funding would um, help alleviate the uh, burdens that they are reporting, that they um, highlighted in their report that they wrote. So another example is someone in Ohio, and this was um, from the economic census data. So uses of economic census data, uh, a grant writer looked at um, the concept of the food desert. So you have an area with, that only has access to um, like a convenience store uh, for their food. So using the economic data, she identified zip codes in her area that had no grocery stores. And then she also looked at the ACS data demographic data to determine 
the vulnerable local populations, um, you know, low median household, high disability status, um, older population, at, you know, limited access to transportation. And then she put together a grant proposal that would then fund um, entrepreneurs to open grocery stores in these areas. And this, um, I really just wanted to include this because this was written a couple years ago as well by a grant writing business uh, organization that helps people write grants. And I really liked the um, this because I felt like it summed up what we've been saying, you know, that making a case for that community need is essential and that that is really what is going to help bring you higher up on getting that uh, funding award is that if you can show the unmet need for your the people in your community or the services that you provide and how much impact that money would would create for your community and that can be done with the data that is found um, at the you know with census.gov with data.census and some of the other tools um, and so really, I'm not going to read anything more, but I just really liked this and I just kind of highlighted some things that you can look at and then here's the link for that as well. So these are two, this slide and the next slide, um, I think I, I'm pretty sure you know about these, but I just I went on and got some new screenshots because they now have like a mobile app you can download in case you didn't know that. Um, but this first one um, is for the grant writing uh, for, uh, excuse me, let me start over. This is for grants.gov. And um, I like this because this also has this free learning center here that you can go to and get a lot of information about grant writing. Grant, There's a grant writing 101 on there. You can, if you read squint really close, you can see in grant policies. Um, so I just, and here's your link right here. Just wanna make sure you have that as a resource. And then this is usaspending.gov. If you wanna take a look to see what federal spending has been allocated in terms of grants, uh, you can, and uh, contract data, federal budget, um, you can take a look here. And this is a live link for that when you get those slides. All right, so how are we doing on questions at this point? How are we doing on absorbing? Is this what repeat? I'm sorry. No, nope, you're okay. Okay. Uh, is this a repeat of what people were um, already hearing? Anything new? Any questions anyone has before we start proceeding with our demonstration? Yeah, so let's take a quick pause. Um, I know Tracy was answering some questions in the oh, chat great. just regarding some of the um locations of definitions about native americans do they include oh. indigenous yeah. populations from other countries etc so tracy added the omb categories for those wonderful um, thank you and you know what i'm going to do i have that slide hidden so okay. <laughs> it's in my slide deck where it defines those um, those different uh, definitions. So I will, uh, excuse me, it defines the race and the Hispanic origin. So I will make sure when I send that slide deck out that I include that in there as well. Okay. And I will put it, the OMB link on there as well, Tracy. Thank you for doing my job. I appreciate that. <laughs> we just have okay. a super efficient team. Yeah, it's we awesome. Are, we, we are so good. Well, yeah, you really are. You're so good. Our, <laughs> my staff's just amazing. Um, and so other questions. Um, I'm looking to the group. How are we feeling right now? 
overwhelmed, just put up your hand, raise your hand or put some sort of reaction if you're feeling this is a lot of information. You feeling okay about the information? If you're feeling okay, put a thumbs up. Okay. All right. Oh, somebody's feeling a little uh -oh. overwhelmed. Okay. Okay, that's, so I need that's to put okay. my chat out. Let me get the chat open because I'm not seeing that. Okay. <laughs> it's coming up on the screen. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's not coming up on mine, so it must just oh, no. be I've got too okay. much on there. That's okay. So thank you for telling me. So someone was feeling a little overwhelmed. All right. A little overwhelmed, and I can okay. totally understand that. Um, yes. Other other folks feeling as though they're ready to do demonstrations. Are there other questions? Thumbs up. Okay, great. Okay. Oh, we have All a question. Right. It looks like. For... Oh, someone had their hand up. I just saw that pop up. Yeah. Okay. Here it goes. Yep, so we are just getting, yes, it's going to require folks to listen to the recording. You know, this is a lot of information as it was in the first training. We're conveying a lot, which is why we are recording. Um, so you'll have both the recording and the transcript. And, and don't forget, um, I really meant that. You can reach out to me. This is my job. <laughs> my uh, one job, and that is to work with data users in uh, Northern Virginia. So if you have, do not hesitate to email me. I've had that happen after presentations and I love it. This is the part of the job is the interacting, connecting. And if I don't know it, I will find someone for you to talk to or get that information for you. So please, that is a bona fide offer that you can reach out to me. So thank you, Tracy. Uh, Excellent. <laughs> and, and we do have okay. such a great group of nonprofits who are inquisitive and who will likely reach out. So um, they're great. just absorbing so. at this point. Good. So yeah, let's keep going. Okay. So let me go ahead and whoops. There we go. Okay, so what I'd like to go over is census reporter, quick facts, narrative profiles, and data.census.gov. So I think time-wise, we're going to not have time to do those the first three, but because I want to get into data.census.gov, but I'm going to show these to you with slides. And um, the slide deck at the end has the screenshots for how you get in there. So when you get the slide deck tomorrow, um, you'll be able to follow the slide, uh, the screenshots, and we'll get you into the quick facts and the narrative profiles. So um, one of the questions that was given to me as prep for this training was, let me pull up my, um, uh, how do you find a qualified census tract in Loudoun County? So there's a couple of ways to do that. The one of the, um, easiest, I think, is to go to a tool called Census Reporter. Now, this is not a Census Bureau tool. However, it is created by Northwestern University to help people um, make sense of uh, all of the data. <laughs> so it's a really great web uh, resource, really great tool. Um, and it's going to help you find census track and census block group information. So the slides that you're getting are these two slides. So here's your link. You're going to go to Census Reporter right here. And then you're going to type in your address. So I just put in the address for your uh, county government. And when you put the address in, two will pop up. So um, I just went ahead. You can collect, you know, click on this one. And then when you do that, it's going to bring you to this page where it's mapped it for you. 
And it shows you a whole list of all this great information, but specifically there's your TAC number right there for that specific address. There's your block group right here for that specific address. So this is a really useful tool. And um, I encourage you also to take a look at it because again, it, it allows you to um, look at some of the tools and access some of the information in a really easy, a little bit easier. And that's not to disrespect what my, the data tools that we offer, um, but I like what they've done um, on, on how to get some of that data. It's very user-friendly. So I encourage you to take a look at that one. Okay, so the next one is quick facts. So I'm hoping I can hop in here quickly, but again, like I said, I wanna get you to data.census. So quick facts is, as its name suggests, allows you to quickly access frequently requested statistics, including population, age, race, housing, disability, language, very easily. It's a great place to start your data search. Um, and it contains data for towns, cities, and counties with a population of 5,000 or more. So again, that pesky little limitation of population there because of privacy, um, but uh, it is still gonna be really useful. So you're not gonna be able to get it to, well, actually you might be able, you won't be able to do it for census track. You can't search from that, even though it meets the size qualifications, but you can look at some of the, the towns and, um, uh, and you don't even have to, you, know, you can just put those right in there up in the search up here. So if you can see, you're gonna put your information up here. And a really nice thing is you can start to see, I actually, compiled the different counties in Virginia, and you can look at them in comparison. So you could do this with zip code, with city, with town, with country, I mean, county and state. Um, so this is just a really nice um, information. And it gives you, this is just part of the page. This is just a little bit of the data that you can access from this. Um, so on the screenshots in that reference section, um, it shows you how to get there. But the quickest, easiest way is to click on this link or to put quick facts um, census up on your up in your browser search you know on the address line and it's going to pop right up uh, and you just be able to click on it so most of the tools we have you can do that i like to show you how to get there um, but you can always just stick the name of the tool in your url and it will uh, the address bar and it will show right up um, quickfast allows you to share embed and download um, the data and also allows you to produce some tables and some um, charts. So it's a really useful tool. Okay, our next one is narrative profiles. So I have a colleague who he loves to, at the end of his presentations, to have everyone pull out their phones and look up narrative profiles because it's, it's mobile friendly. This is exactly what it's called. It's one of the American Community Survey has different profile tables or profiles that they have. So data profiles are one we're going to be looking at. There's comparative profiles and there's these narrative profiles and it's an actual tool. And so when you go into it, you can select, can select um, the geography in the year. And, oh, is that me echoing? Is that done? Okay. We just Hopefully. muted. You're okay. Okay. Thank you very much. Um, sorry, I get into a groove and then it throws me, it pulls me out. So I apologize for looking like a deer in the headlight when I answer that or ask those questions. Um, so the narrative profiles um, are going to give you text and bar charts. Um, but the best part of this is that it gives you the data on a narrative that is not copyrighted. So you can go ahead and 
cut and paste it into whatever you need. We don't care. It's really great. We would ask if somewhere in your, you know, you might say data obtained from Census Bureau or, you know, that would be great. Or it's American Community Survey 2021 or something like that. But you can take that narrative and use it as much as you need to. Um, it's going to be uh, available to you at the nation, states, counties, metropolitan um, uh, statistical areas and um, zip code tabulation areas, which we'll talk about. And then some of that American Indian and Alaska Native areas, Hawaiian homelands, neighborhood census tracts. So it's a really great tool as well. So hopefully we can get in there, but if not, um, this one is a little weird to get to. So that's why the link is here. I suggest the screenshots take you through the different steps to get there, or again, just stick narrative profile census in your address bar um, on your browser and it will pop right up. Okay. So here we are, we're at data.census.gov. So I'm just gonna do a couple of slides quickly and then we're gonna get in here. So this is our primary uh, data dissemination platform. And it provides much of the more detailed data that more detailed that's going to be than what's available in QuickFacts. All right. Um, it's available for all sizes and on a wide variety of topics. As we've covered, we've shown you those. And you can um, add different geographies and topics and filters to get the data tables and maps that you need. So before we hop in there, I just want to talk a little bit about the tables. I mentioned the data profile tables. Um, so I'm, I wanted to show you, those are the broad social, economic, housing, demographic information. And when I go to this slide, this is a slide that we looked at previously. You can see there is a profile that matches each of these categorical demographic areas. So the DPO3 is your economic, DPO4 is your housing. Now, I don't expect you to remember that, but as you do this more and more, you're going to start to notice, hey, that DPO5, and it has a really nice title to it, but you know that it's the demographic and you can think, okay, that's gonna be that age and race. The social is the one that has all of that information on it that is gonna be really useful for you um, as well. So again, I don't expect that you're gonna see a DPO2 and say, oh, that's the social, but when you see the title, it should trigger that you can think, okay, I'm gonna find some very demographic information in that one. So the other tables that are gonna come up are your subject tables, uh, which are a span of information um, presented in both the estimates and the percentages. So it's a it's a little bit more of a specific topic. Um, and then, then your detail tables are even just more specific than that. But I just wanted you to know that there's these designations. And so if you have a B table pop up, that's going to be a, a rather specific topic. So like a language spoken in home, if I believe is a B table. Um, the health insurance is a subject table because it has some other data, um, other variables that are involved with that. So the 2020 census data, we're actually waiting for those demographic profiles to come. We're hoping sometime after May 25th. Um, but until then, you do have a really nice table, this P1 table, which is all of the race breakdown. And again, it's not estimates, it's counts. If you think about for the 2020 census data, it's not estimates. So if you wanted to have a count of the race um, uh, in, in your community, you're going to be able to find that with this P1. Okay. So before we go in, does anyone have 
any questions at this point before we hop in? We good? Good. Okay. Sorry, I had my I had had you covered up. Okay. Thank you. All right. Let me go back over here. Okay. So when we go in, um, and like Tracy said, I'd love for you to follow along. Like this is how I've designed this. That I'm going to go through it, and you're gonna we're going to get kind of messy together with it. Um, but what we're going to do is we're going to go to census.gov. We're going to hover over maps and then we're going to click on explore data on data.census.gov. And when we are there, this is what we're going to see. And we have an option of doing a single search. So you could just put in um, number of 16 and you know 16 and over males, Loudoun County, Virginia. And you're going to get some tables for that or we can do an advanced search, which I'd like to do the advanced search. And then if, um, cause again, I think that gives you the ability to really manipulate what you're looking for. Okay. So I am going to minimize this for right now. And I'm gonna stop sharing my screen and then I'm gonna share again. Hello everyone. Um, and we should be looking at my browser. Is that what we're looking at? Great. Okay, super. Okay. So I am going to pull up one other document. So now can you see the demo, the demonstration exercises? Yes. Okay, great. So I'll probably flip back and forth on those. Um, let me make sure I get this big so I can see everyone. Okay. Uh, so what I'd like to do is we're going to start with looking at these demographic profiles. Okay, this first to start. So here we are at census.gov. One of the things that's in the reference section of the slide deck is a tour of screenshots of census.gov. I do encourage you to tour around to rabbit hole through census.gov because there are some really, really great resources that are available here. Um, I this that could be a, a our training on itself, <laughs> really. Uh, but um, I've highlighted some of the things um, in that tour that I think are useful. But for our purposes, let me stay focused. Uh, we're going to go to data and maps. And here we are. Okay, so we went to census.gov, hovered over data and maps. And now we're going to click on data.census.gov. And here we are. So this is data.census.gov. Now, when you're on here, if you scroll all way down, there is a whole bunch of resources here. Now, I have a slide that is in the resource section that um, has links to this, but the trainings that we have available through Census Academy, through each of the tools are phenomenal. Um, they're really worth taking some time. So if you have any questions about what you're doing and it's 2 a.m. and you know I'm not working, I might be, but I won't be available, I would suggest you look first for a training and see we have these things called data gems, which are great seven to 15 minute little snippets that will get you refreshed on things. But let me come back up here, the risk of uh, making you all dizzy. Okay, so here we are, we are in data.census.gov. So this is where we would do our single search but I'm gonna click here on advanced search. So I remember the first time I looked at this, I thought, oh, I don't know what to do. So uh, if you feel that way, everyone feels that way. That's why we do these trainings. This over here is your filter area. This is your shopping cart, if you wanna call it, of what you're looking for. 
I suggest that you start with your geography. You start with the the filter that you know you need. You want Loudoun County, okay? or you want census tracts in Loudoun County. Um, so that's where you're going to start is your geography. So you're going to click right here and everyone can see this clearly and follow it. Great. Okay. So here are our most commonly used geographies. Now there are other geographies and other things to look at. So I encourage you to take advantage of there's a training that I have a link for in that section that will walk you through all this. Because again, you can do an hour on justdata.census.gov, which we could do that if you wanted that. <laughs> but until then, you can. there's a training that's a really great training. A lot of them are recorded. So we're gonna look at our most commonly used geographies today. And let's go ahead and just start with um, our county, okay? So we're gonna click on county. So now what pops up is we need to identify the state that we want that county to be in. So you can click here and just start typing in, or you can scroll down. So since it's the states, we're gonna scroll down. Okay, and one thing to notice if it's a blue folder, you know you're gonna click and open that folder and see other choices. When you're in the squares, there's no other no other um, options. These are what your options are. So we we could do all the counties. Oops, sorry, did I choose Pennsylvania? Let me start that over. <laughs> Let me come back to geography. Uh, that was another training I did on, uh, uh, I'm doing actually this afternoon. Let's come back to county and let's choose Virginia because that's where we are today, this morning. Where are you? There we are. Thank you. Woo. Brain freeze. Okay, so uh, here are all the counties. We could select all of them, but we're going to look at Loudoun County. So what I suggest is you just click up here and you're just going to type in Loudoun and it pops up. So it's a smart search. This is a feature on most of our tools and it's really useful. Okay, so here's our Loudoun County. So we know our geography. Now we're going to do our topics. Okay, so I'm going to switch over here. And yep, I agree. I love this. So I'm going to, oh, we're doing the data profiles first. So there's a couple ways you can do the data profiles. You can come up here into your search up here and you can just put in DP. That's it. And you can click the magnifying glass. You can also, which we're going to ultimately do because this matches the screenshots, but I want to also show you, you can come to surveys. These are all of the surveys that we have data available for. Okay, for Loudoun County. This is a really nice feature that once you have your geography in here, it adjusts for you automatically. So we're going to click on American Community Survey and we're going to go ahead and do one year estimates because Loudoun County is more than 65,000. And we're going to look for data profiles. Okay, so that's one way you can do it. Or you can just put the DP up in the top. Okay, so we'll just keep going with this. And so then I'm going to come down here and I'm going to do search because that's all I'm looking at right now. So here we go. So from that little effort, we just have four data rich tables that have been produced for us. So um, we can click here on this first one. So this one is the demographic and housing estimates. So this is the one that's closest to what the 2020 census collects. So let's just go ahead and open it up. So here we have our filters, we have our results, and here is the table. So if you'd like, you can click up here and collapse that 
or you can collapse this, you can collapse those, and you can say, oh, where'd it go? You just come over here and you click your filters and this shows up again. But it's nice to, sometimes I don't, I won't collapse the results because I wanna be able to switch back and forth, but we're just gonna, we can keep those right now. So here's this margin of error. So um, don't tell Megan, but I often hide that, but to make more room, but you shouldn't ignore it. Okay, it's okay to hide it, but you still should pay attention to it. Um, and that's here because these are um, estimates, they're sample estimates. Okay, but we're just gonna hide it for you. Don't tell her. Okay, so here is your um, the demographics. So here's your sex and age, and by that's broken down by the male, female. Scroll down, and here's all your race data. And so you have one race, two or more races. And again, this is all on self-identified. So this is what people identified. Um, it wasn't anything assigned to them. They self-identified all of the all of the questions that they answered were all of their answers. You can see how the Asian is broken down. And so you can see the numbers here and really get a sense of who is living in Loudoun County um, and how they identify. Okay, so that is it. Oh, here's your voting population. And I don't mean that like that's it. This is what's available on this table. So now if we come to this selected social, this is the one where you're going to get a whole lot of information. So you got household. I'm just going to kind of do this fast. Relationship, marital status. You have some fertility, grandparents, um, school enrollment, educational attainment. That's, you know, it goes on and on and on. So it's a really rich um, demographically filled table. So let me just pause and, and, and orientate you to this table. So here is this ribbon across the top. This is where you can download the data across here. So you can download this table into an Excel. Um, so if I were to do that, I click on that. Can you see, is that all happening live for you? Okay, great. So I open that up. Oh, it went to a different screen. Let me bring that over. Can you see that? So if you can see, this is what you're gonna get. So this first tab here is just the information about what you're looking at. And then here's your data. So it's really nice. And here's your percentages, here's your margin of error, and here's your estimates, okay? All right, so. Daisy. Uh, yeah, hi, hi, hi Judy, hi. hello. <laughs> hi, how are you? Um, <laughs> I really appreciate this. I had to look away for one second. Yes. Can you show me how you extra exported that data again? I clicked this button. Okay, it says Excel. Excel, okay. yeah. Can you do you want me to make this a little bit? How's that? A little bit better to see? Yeah. Okay, yeah, sorry about that. Yeah. Thank that's you. That's hard, but that's the limitations of Teams. WebEx, you can like people can control that, but just let me know if you can't see it very well. Thank you. Um, so here is your Excel. You can do it as a CSV, zip drive. And then this is really cool. So if you want to share this, you just click that copy or you click the share button. Let me do that again. You click share and you can copy it. And then you can now embed that. You can send it to wherever you want to. The other thing you can do, so you can come up here, up to the top of your um, browser and you can right click and copy it as well. But this is just a really nice feature right in here. You can print it. Now you can map it, but the only problem is I always have to remember, 
I only have one jurisdiction, so there's really nothing to map. <laughs> Mapping is better when you're comparing your census tracts and things like that. So when you're looking at the census tracts in Loudoun County, let's definitely, I want to do that quickly so we can definitely map that as well. Okay. So this is where when you open up your table, you know, you're going to want to make sure that you're in the right one that you want to be. This is really only going to be applicable when we're looking at those smaller jurisdictions, you know, geographies. So you want to make sure that if you're looking at the census tracts, that this doesn't say one year, it needs to say five year, because otherwise you're going to miss a whole lot of data. In fact, there may not be any data there. Or if you're looking at counties for the whole state and you have some counties that are under 65,000 people, um, even though they're large, they might be very rural, you want to make sure that you're capturing everything by making sure you're looking at the five year. Okay. Um, so I think that's uh, all I wanted to show you for this one. Okay, so those are that's what you're going to be looking at for these data profiles. So if we come back over here, again, these are all of our oh, filters. Yeah. So does anyone have any questions on what I'm the data profiles at this point? Just um, real quick, if um, if it's if it's data from the same year, um, will like the populations and everything match in the different profiles? Like, are they comparable between? Well, they, each profile is collecting different data, different okay. um, variables. So like this, this is the selected social characteristics. Is that what you mean? So then this data profile is only demo, demographic and housing. Okay. But like the population totals and should be. Oh, yeah. Those should. Same. Yeah. Okay. As long, but this was population 25 years and older. So this one is going to be total population. So that's where you have to make sure you're looking at your descriptions of the variables. Is that what you're asking, Tracy? Uh, yes, thank you. Are you, are you sure? Okay. Okay. Great. Well, well, and 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 just to clarify that a little bit further. So, uh -huh. what we're saying is, for instance, male and female should roll up into oh, yes. that four twenty seven. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And then, and then, for instance, yeah. in the DPO two, when you look at the s selected social characteristics, it's for those who answered the question. Is yes. that correct? And then mm -hmm. you you may have estimates. So the populations may look slightly different yes. across the tables, but they're not going to be significantly different. Right. So yes. it's it's based on self-selection of the questions. So not yep. every person answers 100% of the questions. Yep, absolutely. We hope that they do, but yes, yeah, probably not. That's, that's, the <laughs> and that's where And that's where those margin of errors come in. Yes, so. Exactly, that's where margin of error <laughs> so, comes okay. in. And, All right. And one, so one other quick yeah, question. Um, so I, I also wanted to to just let folks know that if you're working in specific areas of the county, there are also tables like this for census tract. So oh, yeah, we're um, going to do that. Yep. Actually, oh, I'll show you that right now. Yep. I'll Preview. show you that right now. <laughs> yep. We'll do that really fast because I do want to show you um, just a general table. But let's do this for sure. So we're just going to start over. Um, yes, thank you, Tracy, for that segue. Good job. Really, we did not plan this. I promise she's not a plant. Um, uh, so, okay, so a really quick trick is you come up to this logo and you click the logo and it resets everything for you. Um, it doesn't work to do like clear filters. Sometimes it likes to have the residue hang on. So just go ahead and start over. And it's a good practice anyway, I feel like. <laughs> so, okay, we're going to do advanced search. 
We're going to come to geography. Now we're going to come to census tract. And now we're going to search for our state, just like we did before. And then we're going to now search the county. Now we could do all census tracts within Virginia. That's a whole lot. So let me just put in here, Loudon. And you open this up. Now, if you know what your census track is, you could actually just select that because you've gone to census reporter and you're all smart and you know what your census track is because you did that tool. Then you could actually search for your actual census track by just writing it up here. But we I don't know that I wasn't prepared for that. So I did not go to census uh, reporter and remember what that track was. But if we click here, so it's going to give us all the census tracts within Loudoun County. So now let's go ahead and um, instead of doing the profile, let me go ahead and do a topic. OK, so one of the topics was um, let me get my cheat sheet. Was uh, let's do the poverty level. OK, so poverty level in the census tract of your organization's highest survey, the percentage of families. All right. OK, so here we are back to our screen. So we're going to our topic is income and poverty. So you can a lot of this is trial and error. It really is. It's getting in here and just kind of getting messy and knowing that that's going to happen and that's OK. Um, so if you click this one and you're like, oh, that's not the date I wanted. That's all right. You're not going to break it and you might learn something you didn't even know you you really did want. So let's go ahead. I know that this will give us what we want because I did do this. So we're going to click income and poverty. All right, so if we look at our filters, we have all of our census tracts within Loudoun County and we have income and poverty. I don't think we need to have anything more at this point. So we're going to come over here to our search button. And here are our tables that we can look at. So we're going to scroll down because we wanted families. And these, if you notice, are all those S tables. So they're subject tables, okay? And if we scroll down, looks like, oh, this looks like this might be a good one. All right. When the tables are listed, they list by the ones that are um, more most relevant or the more commonly looked at or are used. But so sometimes you have to scroll down. And if you notice, there are 699 tables. <laughs> so you don't want to have to go through all those. But luckily, the one that we want, we don't have to go too far because we're going to try this one first. So you're just going to click on it. And when you do, so let's uh, go ahead and collapse this. So if you notice right up here, I'm going to show you. See how it defaulted to the five-year estimates. We didn't even have to select it. And it did that because... Anyone want to yell out why it defaulted to the five-year estimates? Low cell size. The Yep, the census tracts are smaller than 65,000. So even though Loudoun County is um, more than 65,000, we're looking at the smaller cell sizes, the smaller um, data points within Loudoun County. And so that's what the determinant is. OK, you didn't know you're going to get quizzed, did you? OK, so we're going to check to make sure that's correct. We want the most recent because it's available. And now we can start scrolling across here. Here's our cursor here, our scroll bar. And it actually is going to um, move kind of fast. This is a big table. 
So what you can do is you can actually come over here and you can shrink that, make it bigger if you'd like. We can get rid of that margin of error. And then we can um, start taking a look. Now, sometimes it's useful to hit this transpose. So then that means all of your, you've got these variables over here and then they've put the family information up across the top. You can also uh, come over here and if you hit columns, you can start, if you wanted to not show as many columns, you could do that as well. Okay, there we go. All right, so I'm gonna go back to the regular. So when you just start taking a look at this, these are your census tracts. Now there's gonna be times where you may not have data available like right here. So that means that they're they, either they didn't have enough of the respondents or they just didn't, yeah, I mean, they only, they didn't have enough of the respondents there to be able to keep the privacy protected, okay? Um, or they just didn't have the respondents, either one, on those questions. So let's go ahead and map this really quickly. So we're gonna click on map. You can do it up here or you can do it here. So we're gonna click map. Hopefully it will work. Sometimes it doesn't work. And then you have to say, oh, what happened? But it's working. Yay. Okay. So um, I was excited because earlier today it didn't work. So sometimes the, it is a data tool. It's the internet. It gets glitchy. So just start over and, and that will often correct itself. So, okay. So here is Loudoun County. And all of these are your census tracts right here. So if you keep scrolling in these smaller ones, you're going to start seeing them identified. Okay. So we're going to scroll out a little bit. Now, this is really cool, and you will really impress everyone by showing them that you know how to do this. You can click on classes. This is a histogram. I didn't even know what those was and were until I started this job. You can click view the map colors. So all this is going to do is sometimes there are, you know, there's data that is um, th that you're looking at, and you've got so many you can't tell which is the darkest color. Okay, essentially. So this is just going to allow you to start moving these intervals around. You can do it this way or you can actually do it up here and change those intervals. And what that does is you can see now this is really clearly darker. And now if I click on that, I actually can click on a view profile for that specific census tract. So always when you're in a map, always click on the jurisdiction you're looking at, county, zip code, whatever, zip code, whatever you're looking at because you're gonna be able to view a profile, okay? And then we'll just come back to the table. Um, and then this, so I wanna show you one last thing before we end, this is the boundaries. So when I was talking about being able to add in um, the school districts, they are, where are they? Here we are. So you can close out of that. So now you have the Loudoun County, Pub you know, Montgomery County Public Schools, Frederick County Public Schools. So you can put those in and um, it should be able to also give you, hopefully, it should give you some of the other schools if we go and change our base map. And if you start scrolling in here. And when you come to colors, you can actually change the transparency so that you don't see the, the data over top of that. And you can look underneath to see what's happening in a certain area. Say, oh wait, why is that such a concentration? You can say, oh, that's why, because you know, you know your area. 
then um, up over here in the variables, you can actually change what variables you look at that you're mapping. You can um, uh, share this just like with anything else. And I think that's it for the mapping. So that was really fast. Um, I think I covered what we were going to cover. I know it's 1130, so I want to honor the time. I can go longer, but I know that probably no one else can. <laughs> so just want to make we sure we honor that time. Anyone, so. We haven't. Oh, interesting. Okay, great. <laughs> All right. Well, let me go ahead and um, just come back to the slideshow quickly, just so I can wrap up. And then if we want to do a couple of more things, I definitely am able to do that. Um, so let me just share my screen again over here. Okay. Let's see where my controls are. Here we are. Okay. Sorry about that. Okay. So um, just to wrap up, this is um, information, a lot of the things I've already told you. If you go to our Census Academy, we have courses, recorded courses, courses you can sign up for, webinars that have been recorded, uh, data gems. Um, and this is if you wanted to have a free data training, but you don't have to go through that. You can contact me directly if you would like to do that um, without any questions. And this is a QR code for you to be able to um, use your phone and go directly to the Census Academy. There really are great trainings. I suggest taking a look at that. And here's my information again. If you have any questions, um, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. And um, I know that Tracy put the evaluation, uh, your evaluation into the uh, chat. So please, I'd love to um, get feedback about how this was, if anything different, if you were hoping to see something different, please let me know. I love the feedback. So that's what I have. Um, do you want to do a little bit more or are we ready or our brains tired? <laughs> so my brain is very excited now. So um, I yeah, oh, I was going to say there may question. be questions, Judy. Yeah, go ahead, please. Yeah, the question I have is when you were showing families in Loudoun, the top number said 1500, which can't be right. Um, so is there a total at the bottom? I just we didn't scroll. So okay, so this is in each census tract. Yep. Okay. Okay. So you're in one census tract. Okay. Yes, absolutely. So I if thought we wanted, did the whole county. We did originally. Okay. And then then we switched to the census tract because I wanted okay. to show you that. And since we're in here again, if I can and if everyone's okay with me indulging for a couple more minutes, I one thing. One of the other pieces of information that Tracy had said was zip code. So that one thing I want to make sure I clarify for you. So if we come up here, we do. So remember, I reset it here, do our advanced search. If I come to geography, zip code tabulation area, that is a Zitka. It's just fun to say. So the Zitka is our census geography equivalent of five digit zip code. So you can search by this, but we recommend when you're looking at demographic data, go ahead and do the Zitka. It's going to, for the most part, it's going to correspond to the U.S. Postal Service zip code. But the way we do it is it's in line with the data and the other geographies. So it's an aerial view of it is how they determine it. And it does correspond with the data, with the census block, with the census tracts and so forth. So everything lines up. But 
I even did a quick check and it looked like the zip codes that you would, you know, use did, did match what that zip code was. So all you're going to do is you're going to come in here and you're going to, again, select your state. Now, if you know what that zip code is, you can put that in or you can just go ahead and, and again, you could do um, the easiest way would, you know, just to use the postal equivalent of it and put it in there, or you can just click all the zip codes. And I want to do this because I want to show you what will happen. And then we're going to do our topic. And the other topic was health insurance. So we come to health. Health insurance is right there. So we're going to now hit search. Okay, so this hopefully will happen when the table is too large. Okay, great. So this is the one time in your life you get to ignore a warning and no one will get mad at you. You're going to hit open. You're going to click open the table. You're going to ignore that and just click open the table. And it might take a little bit of time because this is all of the zip codes, zip codes in, um, I think I did Virginia. I, mean, I didn't even go down to county. So this is going to be huge. And it might just blow up the system. So I might have to do, oh, yay, it came through. So you could have done specifically in Loudoun County or you could um, do the entire state. So let's go ahead and let me fix that because I don't like the fact that I did not do that. So let's come back. To geography and let's do Zitka again. Let me get out of this one. Now it might not, it might get angry with me, but we're just gonna give it a try. Sometimes it's it's oh, so that's why I did that. Oh, it's because I didn't, it doesn't do it by county. See, I didn't know, I forgot that. So I did it right. That's the way you have to do it. So this would be where you'd want to see if you could map it. You may not, I, I don't think you can map those zip the Zitkas. So Again, you're gonna sometimes you're gonna have to have that pre-knowledge. Like you're gonna and need we, to know what zip codes. Yeah, go we ahead. You also um we do also at the county and and Trent Small will be um talking in another presentation about some of the mapping overlays that we have that the county has produced. Oh perfect. as a result of the census data. So when you talk about census tract and overlaying um zip mm -hmm. codes or the zitkas, he will be talking about some of that and where you right. can find it on the website right? and how you can use it. Okay, super. So since we're back in here, um, that's awesome. That's so useful. Um, Cause there is that tool Tiger Web, which can help you find it, but that, that um, I can't show you quickly, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> that's a little bit more involved, but let me open this table again and we can look and see if that's what we wanted for the um, uninsured or the health insurance information. Um, so here we across the top, we've got insured. And then you've got percent insured, percent uninsured and your total. And that is for each of those Zitkas. And then you can scroll down and you can see your age, the ages and by by race, by age, by living arrangements. It's really this is a really great table. And, and you can also do that by census tract. Right. Like right. all of these oh, variables absolutely. are still available yep. by census tract, by yep. zip code. Yes. And we can also you know go the to the, yeah. you know, one that's not that I don't often do, but we can do the block group also. OK, and remember, that's that that's within the census tract, census tract, block group and then block block. No, because this is ACS data. 2020. Yes. OK. Um, yeah. You want me to show you quick facts really quickly? 
Sure. We're still recording, so this will okay. all go out I, is to everyone, I just don't want to be disrespectful to anyone's time who well, thought and, they were and, done. And so. folks, if you do have other commitments, please feel free to just drop off. Make sure that you um, complete the session evaluation. Those are very useful for us and especially for us um, submitting our own performance to uh, Treasury, to U.S. Treasury, because these are ARPA dollars that we're using to help support the community. So, And if you are dropping off, it was just really great uh, presenting to you today. So thank you very much. The rest of you, you're stuck with me for about 10 more minutes. We will put (laughs) some boundaries on, otherwise I'll go until my next one today. So, okay, so we're going to go to census.gov. And again, you could type quick math, quick facts up here, but I'm going to force us to go through it. So we're going to come to data and maps. And then we're going to move over here to data tools and apps. So this is interesting just to scroll through all of them, but I know that this is on the second page because it's alphabetical. Um, There are some really great tools and one that might be useful for you and you can get in there. I'm just going to show you because it's a really cool one. It's a relatively new one. It's called My Community Explorer. Um, It actually um, combines resiliency estimates with live weather um, feed from the National Weather Service. So you can actually look wildfires. You can look at Um, you know, the hurricane warnings and things. But the idea is, is that you can look at your community and see where those vulnerable areas are to know what the impact of a natural disaster would be on those specific areas based on those resiliency estimates. It also brings in data from the county business patterns. So it actually connects with Census Business Builder as well. So it's, it's a fun tool. It's very interactive. So it might just be fun to take a look at that one. Again, looking at none of these are one thing. Data.census.gov gets you pretty close, but there's still um, other things that they're really moving towards combining and kind of making as much one-stop shopping as possible, but it really needs to be your toolbox of what you use for your your proposals and for guiding the services that you provide. So I just wanted to show you that one. So let's just quick over here. Well, I didn't really show you because once I got in there, I wouldn't be able to leave. It's really, it's very fascinating one. So here's our quick facts right here. Okay, it's pretty basic. If you have questions, you can come up over here. Here's where you can chart it. Um, you uh, can share it. I think it's download or share right here and you can map it. So what you're going to do is you're going to put in, um, so Loudoun County, let's do, let's try some zip codes. Can you give me some zip codes for Loudoun County? 20176. 20176, is that correct? Yep. Yep. Okay. Okay. So which one? Let's do Leesburg. Okay. Let me show you, when you see this Lansdowne CDP, that's census, census designated place. So that's those unincorporated or incorporated. It's just one of the geography terminologies, okay? So like I live in Cape St. Clair, Maryland, which is outside of Annapolis. We have 9,000 people, but we are a census designated place because we're not incorporated, okay? So it it includes those. Um, okay, so which one did you say, Leesburg Town? Leesburg Town, mm-hmm. Okay, all right, so what's another one? 
20164. 20164. And which one is that one? I would do uh, Sterling CDP. Maybe. Okay. All right. So I won't make you do any more. So <laughs> we could hear though, on this one, we could actually put um, uh, Loudoun County if we wanted to. Yeah. And then we could even put larger Virginia. And we could get rid of the United States if we wanted to. So you've got these different levels of geography to compare. And just to scroll down, here's all your population. Here's your population estimates. Here's your population, age and sex. And you can see here, the data is just not gonna be available for these estimates, um, but there is data down here for your demographic data. Down here, your housing, family living arrangements, broadband information. This one is really useful for rural areas um, to see where people are not able to access the internet, which puts them at a disadvantage with our pandemic and all of the virtual thereafter. Um, the health, disability, without health insurance, under age of 65. So again, this is just taken popular statistics. So that's why you need data.census.gov to find out what about over 65 for you know, uninsured or people without health insurance. So again, this is that snapshot. And it also, I think, can make you curious about some other type of information. You've also got some business information here as well. And Stacy, yeah. I have a question. Yeah. So um, where we have the CDPs um, yeah. or the towns, it's it's based on the 2010 census for the estimates that are below. Um, where no, you have the, the population, you have Why? 2010 and 2020. So the age and sex are still based on the decennial census. Right. Oh, but that's because we don't have all of if any of the decennial demographic information hasn't been released yet, unless yeah. it's in that P1. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So some of yes. it is lagging. And now hopefully after May 25th. A lot of this will be filled in yes. from 2020. Yes. Is that what you're saying? Yes, okay. that's it. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, we are waiting with bated breath <laughs> for May 25th <laughs> and hopefully it won't get bumped. And unfortunately, um, there's even later releases for um, the American Indian and Native Hawaiian type. Uh, some of those estimates are even going to be later. But um, the this demographic that you're seeing, why is it 2010? Well, that's but also some of this is giving you a comparison because the population should be there. So this might also just I, I'll have to check on that. But I think this might just be here for a comparison so you can see what the increase has been as well now that I realize that yeah this one this is available so I think they just put that in there to let you know what the growth was which okay. you said Loudoun County has definitely in 10 years grown significantly mm -hmm. so okay so that was quick facts should I do narrative profiles and then be done or are we done <laughs> um, I think we can do narrative profiles okay. even, if, even if folks need to drop off at okay. least it's recorded Okay, great. So here, let's. So to go to the narrative profiles, um, you are going to go to surveys and programs. We're going to go to American. This is again, just put it in your search 
this because this is convoluted, but I just wanted to kind of show you how to do it because you get to see some interesting things on the way. This is our American Community Survey landing page. And we're going to come down here to the American Community Survey data. And then you can see there's so much information available. We're going to click on data tables. And then these are our American Community Survey data tables. So here are those profiles. So this is one way to get to the profiles. Here are the narrative profiles that are open. There's these comparison profiles that are going to give you the estimates over time in the same layout as these DP tables. So some of these are really used to look, you know, looking at. And if you can see here, I talked about the B or the C, which are the most detailed estimates. Here's your subject tables. Um, so those things that I talked about. So let's just go ahead and click on the narrative profiles. We're going to click right here. This is the tool. So when you're in here, you can choose what you would like to look at. So let's go ahead. So you got your um, county, your place, your census tract. Um, so let's go ahead and put the census tract and we can put our state to begin. We also could do the Zipka. Zipka. Um, so let's choose our state. And then we're going to choose our county. Let's scroll down here, actually, and I probably could have could start typing it in as well. OK, then now we're going to choose a track. Tract. Um, so. Let's just choose that one. OK, and now we can go ahead and get your narrative profile right there. Hopefully, <laughs> sometimes it like, oh, wait. No data available. It's just going to take a moment. And this for this specific census track. Here is the household narrative. You've got the different types of households. You have your marital status, grandparents, and it gives you the source table, which is really nice as well. Is Here's your. You Go ahead. Um, how do you know if you don't know in advance and you just click a census track, how do you know in the narrative what track it is? So this is going to be the report that you could um, go ahead and download this. Um, and so this will tell you right here, this is your track that you're looking at right here. Right. But how do you figure out what that track? Is so you in would, County. So you could go to Census Reporter. And there are maps. Um, right here. Oh, it's not behaving itself. So it's sometimes okay. this is an issue. So um in the there's slides, nowhere, there's nowhere in the narrative where it says where the place is. Well, it, because it's it's because you're looking specifically at the census tract. And okay. so I know what you're saying. You like want to know. And I know what you're saying. Um, yep. Okay. But it's yeah, because now if you change your geography and you decide that you want to look at that, um, let's see, we'll do the place. Then that's going to give you that information because that is the geography designator for it. But a track doesn't a track doesn't have any association with a specific town. It okay. is a geography in itself. Does okay. that make sense? Yep. Yeah. So it is, again, a way to organize the data. We don't 
we don't walk around saying, oh, I live in census tract 2305. I mean, most, right. I, you know, most population doesn't even know what that is unless they saw it in an article or they work with data. Um, so I, just to remember that it's simply a, you know, a, a designation of the Census Bureau on how it's organized. So that's why when you're doing your um, grant writing, uh, you could then correspond that to the census tracts within Leesburg or, you know, within um, another town or something. You can say it that way and anchor it to something that the reader is going to know what it is. Yes. And, and Does that make sense, provide- Judy? Mm-hmm. Okay. And we can provide the maps, the, the links to the exact maps with the census tracts that Stacy has gone over, because um, it's a lot of information with a lot of links. And we can provide that specific link um, because what what that will do will map out, including the um, the major roadways and some of the larger subdivisions in the in the map so that you're able to mm-hmm. see like six. 6101 is going to be around the Leesburg Lansdowne area, for instance. Yeah. Um, so we can provide those. Yeah. And with mm-hmm. this narrative profile, you do need, you know, when you're when you're looking in data.census.gov and you're in the map, you can kind of get a sense of where it's located. And Census Business Builder is great for that as well. That's another great tool. It does give you demographic information, but it's predominantly for um, economic. But you can get great demographic information from it as well. But it's so visual, you can actually see where they all sit with each other. Um, this is not going to work this way. You need to know what place you're looking for because it doesn't, you know, I know Arlington is not in Loudoun County, but that's only because I know. But you have to know where these all are to be able to um, use it. So this is why you would cut and paste this in when you were talking about whatever mm-hmm. area. Yeah. So are you able to do the narrative profile for the whole county or it has to be by census? Track? Oh, yeah, no, right here. See, these okay, are all your right. geography choices right here. Okay, I got it. Yeah. Make sure you can see that. So if we select Virginia and then we're going to choose our county. Where are you? And then we're going to get our narrative profile for Loudoun County. So it's not going to really tell you um, what census tracts are involved. It's really about the narrative demographic data. So this is what this is for. So this is taking these tables and putting narrative to it. And that's why it gives you what table this corresponds to. This came from the DPO2, which we know is the selected social characteristics of the ACS. This one is coming from DPO2 because, again, the DPO generates so much. The language, also, I'm trying to get one that's not DPO2, but they're all DPO2. Um, Oh, here we go. Here's the selected economic characteristics. Okay. Um, And, again, some of these, the economic, are more socioeconomic, not economic as in annual business survey or county business patterns. Those are specifically around businesses. So this economic um, data is going to, some of it is gonna be um, looking at like workforce and people commuting and um, things like that and median income. So it's more of that socioeconomic. Does that make sense? Okay, all right. And here's your industries. And again, this is this is great. You didn't even need to have this all came from ACS. So you didn't even need to have 
one of the more economic sources. So if you did want to be able to report what what percent of industries are in um, Loudoun County based on this five-year data, you've got that information right there. So it's it's you know it's kind of what you're you're only limited by your imagination on on what you want to include, but also anchored by you telling a, the story you want to share, how you want people to get it. And you've got the facts, but you also can put this narrative to it. So, and these, and and just to reiterate that, connecting it to the data 101, these data are really the support for a valid interpretation of the need. These data were collected reliably. They have um, a tool that has been validated by many different studies and has continued to progress over time. So. Really, when we talk about gold standard, census is the gold standard when we come yeah. to population statistics. Oh, um, absolutely. Without question. Yeah. And so it's really a great comparator for the data that you have for your clients. And when you want to put that into context, right, your clients needs into context with the family situation or the households or the needs that you have on your intake forms, a lot of that can be compared to at least um, subcategories of the census and specific areas within the census topics or um, categories. So it's it's a really just a great tool to use to anchor that grant mm -hmm. application. Yes, and one thing I did want to mention, um, I don't I know Merrill, I, I don't know much about Virginia's state data center, um, but that can some of the state data centers i just don't know if they've done this but some of the date state data centers have actually created their own tools for specifically the state and the counties and the state so i'm not sure what virginia have done has done if it's an active um in that way some you know i know like pennsylvania has works with penn state um i know the maryland state data center is under the department of planning for the state of maryland so i'm not sure but that can also be a resource um i'm just in case you didn't know that, I'm thinking you probably did, but just in case you didn't, <laughs> just to share that. <laughs> so, and again, some are really active. And then you also have your, um, so you have the state data centers and then you have the community data centers, the CICs. I can't remember the exact acronym, what that stands for, but. All right, so we went way over. Goodness gracious, <laughs> I hope that was okay, but uh, <laughs> yes. thank you um, so very much. We appreciate your your diligence and just um, explaining all of these great resources oh, to yeah, Stacy. Um, yeah, and and Stacy, as she mentioned, is a resource. We do yeah. have her um, email in the chat, a couple of different um, places, and we'll we will be following up with some of the direct links to Loudoun County's resources as they've mapped the census data. Yeah. And then some of the census tables that that Stacy has gone over um, will have the direct links for some of those in our follow up. But this will uh, this is all recorded. So we really encourage you to think about how we use this in our grant applications. This is great information to just bolster okay. that argument and great. bolster how um, client services can be compared and client needs can be compared to. Um, a point in time estimate for the ACS or a standard count for the decennial census. 
it's wonderful. Thank you, Stacy. Well, and thank you to everyone who hung in there and stayed on to the better end. <laughs> so, thank well, you wonderful. very much. All right. Thank you so had a great much. Time. All right. Thank, thank you, you so much. Bye-bye. Right. Bye-bye. Bye, Tracy. Bye. Bye, Barbara.